You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life family. I am a, a blessed man to say the least. My, uh, my gra- daughter-in-law and granddaughter are up here singing, and I want you to know that when we left Post Falls, one, Jim Putman came and talked to me, and he said, you know, Charlie, I expected Aaron to leave and come and plant a church because I knew eventually he would want to do that. But gosh, I didn't know he was going to take the best people we had in worship and and everybody else. And I said to him, well, you think he's going to leave without his wife? What, that, what, what does that mean? And of course, he, uh, he was talking to me about trying to stay too. But we are so blessed to be here. I, I, am, I am a blessed, blessed man indeed. I have all of our kids are involved in ministry. My wife is on her way today to Kalispell, Montana to visit with... Um, for a week with our daughter and son-in-law. He's in ministry over there, Family Life Christian Church in Kalispell, Montana. And, and our oldest son teaches Bible in the Post Falls Christian School there. And we're, I am, each time I go through worship, I have to say I am just so, gosh, my heart just pitter-patters. And then I, then I have to sit and listen to Aaron preach, and that just even makes it better. No, I get to listen to him preach. Um, when Carter was uh, about uh, seven or eight years old, I gave her a blessing when we were in Post Falls, and I remember uh, sharing with her that Carter, uh, part of the blessing is to kind of share what you think you're, the person you're giving the blessing to is going to be, uh, uh, be like in their, in their time to come. And so I shared with her, in time to come, Carter, you're going to be singing in worship like your mom. And here she is. I hope I don't preach too long today so that she, she has sings the last song. They haven't been able to sing that so far because, you know, I have so much pent up in me that I, I may go on for an hour and a half. You know what? You guys may have to be here for a long time. I hope you brought your lunch with you because this may take a while. I want to remind you about uh, Mark Gunger. Several people have asked me, are we going to watch a video series or is he really going to be on the stage? Let me tell you, he is going to be standing right here. He's going to have a woman, a woman's head over there and a man's head over there. And the first session is going to be a, a, entitled A Tale of Two Brains. He's going to share with us why men and women don't think alike. So you will thoroughly enjoy that. I want you to know that... Uh, that if you are a grandparent or a parent who has kids that are married or planning on getting married, then um, you need to buy your kids, spend $70 and, and, and pay for your kids to come to this. It'll be the best gift you could give to them. I'm bar none. I, we, we paid for our oldest son and his wife to come down here, my wife and I did. That's how much I believe in what Mark Gunger is gonna say. You can sign up out in the hub uh, Maggie will take care of you out there, and gosh, I hope you uh, you don't miss this. You know, I just love old people, don't you? <laughs> I, I I was just thinking this morning about 50 years ago what things were like. You know, you, you could get thrown out of class for talking too much, chewing gum, 
making a noise, running in the halls, getting out of line, wearing improper clothes, and not putting paper when you threw it to the wastebasket and it missed, just letting it flop all over the floor. You could get thrown out of class for that. When I was a kid climbing trees, playing cowboys and Indians, drinking chocolate milk, sucking an ice cube, licking my mom's uh, beaters off when she was making a cake, uh, catching lightning bugs. Any of you remember lightning bugs? Oh, gosh. Uh, <clears throat> two or three years ago, my oldest son and I were down in Kentucky riding along right at the edge of dark, and you could see these little bzzz, bzzz, and um, uh, Mike said to me, Dad, do you know what those are? I said, oh, yes, those are lightning bugs. And uh, what he used to do, and I hate to tell you this, he used to wait till they bzzzed, and then he would pull their tail off and make a little neck, a little bracelet out of them. I know for some of you who are right to life folks, you don't uh, <laughs> like that. Uh, it's probably going to get worse before it uh, gets. You know, probably what I should do is hold up one finger if I want you to laugh, and uh, two fingers if it's okay if you don't. So, uh, some of these, some of the, my jokes today, you probably won't want to laugh at. Well, today, uh, you know, we in school we we deal with drug and alcohol abuse, pregnancies, suicide, rapes, robbery, assaults, and guns in the school. Things have changed, haven't they? Us old people remember when we could get gas at 27. Point nine cents a gallon. Uh, of course, you know, I know what you're thinking. We could get a Pepsi for a nickel. You could buy enough stamps for a, a nickel to send a letter and uh, two postcards out. That's how things have changed. But my goodness, I wouldn't want to go back. I wouldn't want to have to wash clothes out on a, on, uh, a washboard like I did when I was a kid growing up helping my mom. We heated the water in a big old tub and... Uh, and uh, it was the same tub that we took a bath in once a week, whether we needed it or not. And, you know, when I was a kid, we were taught the three R's, reading, writing, and road to Ohio. And I learned the last one really well, and that's when we all moved because there was no work in Kentucky, so everybody went uh, north. I'm going to have to start preaching and quit meddling. So I want to show you today something that you see every Sunday when you come in. If you look along the wall on the left side out there, you will see these uh, values of our church. And Aaron talked last week about share, and then I'm today I'm going to talk to you about connect, minister, and disciple. These are the bottom line values that we believe that our church and the New Testament church what I like to call the New Testament church, uh, what we uh, follow. And we find that out, folks, by uh, deciding what they did in the book of Acts. When we look at the Acts of the Apostles, we can determine whether or not the church did that. Now, there are three basic ways. You may not agree with this, but you don't have to agree with me because I don't get to preach very often. And, and uh, you can just blame it all on Aaron anyways. Um, but... <clears throat> Here's, here's the three ways, the three little stool that you might remember. If there is a direct command in the, in the Bible, if there is an apostolic example, if the apostles did it, practiced it, then it's probably something that we, uh, that we should practice or a strong inference. For instance, one of the reasons we don't wash feet in the church is because we know even though Jesus encouraged his disciples to wash feet, and we're going to read about that in just a little bit, 
The, the early church never practiced that. It, it was not something that was done. It probably was a, a traditional thing because uh, uh, everywhere the Jewish folks went, their feet were dirty. They, didn't, they either wore sandals or they went barefooted. But uh, there are so many things. Uh, so many things fall into this category. Well, we believe that when we look at the book of Acts, there are certain things that we can say as a, as a church that we ought to follow because they were, they were following what Jesus had encouraged them to do. I believe that real life ministries uh, could say that we connect with the early church because we try to model ourselves after them. Now I want the fellas to put up on the screen today the, this Acts chapter 2 verses 44 through 47 verses because this is where we're going to lay our groundwork today as to what the early church did. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44 all the believers were together and they had everything in common. I sat on the, I sat on the porch on the steps when we were in Jerusalem where Peter preached this, this sermon and, uh, and, and they sold the property and the possessions to give to anyone who had need and every day they continued to meet together. Every day they met, they met together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying all the people. Folks, there was something that happened in that group of people that I want to share with you. When we connect, one of the things that the early church did is that they shared. They took everything that they had and they either sold it or they shared some of it with the other people that's there. The church should be a place where we understand that nothing we have belongs to us, it belongs to God. There are not going to be any hearse that's going to be following your, your uh, uh, funeral coach to the Greece cemetery. I did hear about one, one lady though who loved her gold Cadillac so much that she asked her husband to bury her in this gold Cadillac. So he bought four grave sites. He dug the grave, he dug it all, had him dig it all up, buried his wife in this gold Cadillac as if she could take it on to glory with her. I suspect if we were to go dig around in there, we'd find an old rusty Cadillac with a a decayed body of this uh, lady because we are not going to take it with us. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, Paul says, let's look at that. Anyone who has been stealing mustn't steal no more, no longer, but he must work doing something useful with his own hands. So that he, that he may give, have something to share with those who are in need. The church is a body that connects by sharing. Now there was a church down in, down in Arizona that I uh, read about some time ago. The preacher was really waxing eloquent about how uh, the, the nothing we have belongs to us and it, it belongs to God. And so the people were so convicted by it that they brought all of their deeds, all of their titles to their cars and everything and gave it to the elders in the church. Now the elders, are, I'm sure you're wondering what the were The elders uh, didn't know what to do with all of that. And so they prayed about it for a while and this is what they decided. They decided they were going to give back to the folks all of the, the titles to their cars and the deeds to their houses if 
they understood that nothing they have belongs to them, but it belongs to God. Now, folks, that's true. Nothing we have belongs to us. It all belongs to the Lord. I, I want you to know that I had, a, I had a funeral in a Mormon church years ago in Burlington, Wyoming. If you've ever been to Burlington, there's only two things in Burlington. There's a, there's a service station and a great big Mormon church there. This little old lady had moved with her husband long ago to Wyoming and raised her kids there. There was not a Christian church in the area that she could, she could go to, nor her kids. So her kids grow, grew up going to the Mormon church. Her oldest daughter never became a, Mormon, a part of the Mormon church, moved off to California. When her mom got older, she invited her to come and live with her. When her mom died, she called me from California, and she said, would you go to Burlington and have my mom's funeral? And I said, sure. Now, had, had the, her daughters not been a part of the Mormon church, I would not have been standing in the pulpit preaching. We walked in that morning, uh, the, the bishop and I walked in together, I, I followed him, and we walked in together ahead of the casket, and everybody stood. When we got up and got on the platform, everybody, everybody uh, uh, he sat down, and everybody was still standing. And I looked around at him, and he said, you have to sit down. So I sat down, and they sat down, and then I got up, and I preached. Now, uh, you know, I've never been afraid to preach the gospel. So I shared with them about uh, life eternal and a number of other things. And, and uh, as we were riding to the cemetery that day, I asked him, how in the world did you ever come up with the funds to build this huge church? He said, well, uh, it, when, when, we dis when we got to the place where we were going to build this church, uh, we went around to all of our members' house and we asked for their W-2s. And uh, <clears throat> they brought their W-2s and when we saw how much they made, then we told them how much they had to give to the church. And one of the things that he said to me, folks, is we had to tell them to quit giving. Now I know what some of you are thinking. If Aaron came to your house and he said, I want to see your W-2s so I can tell you how much you're going to give, I know what you'd tell him. Hey, buddy, you hit the door. My W-2s is none of your business. That's exactly what most of us would say. The truth is, folks, nothing we have belongs to us. It belongs to the Lord. I can tell you this, the church connects when we share with each other. There's a little old lady that I met uh, that works in a bakery here in town. The winter that we were here, I think it was the first or second winter we were here, it was the worst winter we've had. We uh, had to push our truck out of, the, out of the parking lot where we were meeting every Sunday because it was stuck. But this little lady was riding at 2 o'clock in the morning. She was riding a bicycle through all that snow. And so I was talking to her about it when I was in there getting, uh, picking up donuts on Sunday morning, and she was telling me about it. And I said, I'm going to find you a car. Really? I said, yeah. So I went to church and I talked to Aaron about it. And that morning we made an announcement that there's somebody who, uh, who needs a car. Folks, we had four people that came up that morning and said, I have a, I have a car that, that this lady can have. And so we picked out the best one. 
Uh, it had had a lot of work on it, and the person who gave that, maybe he was either here the first service or he's here now, but we gave it to her. When she came in, sat down in my office, and I, I handed her over the title, she had great big alligator tears streaming down her face, and she said, why would you do that? And I said, because the church cares. I want to share with you today that when the church body understands that we are to connect with each other by caring, it don't take long for us to glue ourselves to each other. You know, when I was in Bible college uh, years ago, I had to drop out because I couldn't pay. I'd actually switched ministries and I couldn't pay my college tuition. We had a couple that, that, we had, that was going to another church that stopped by our house one day and they said, how are you going to go to, to Bible college? I said, I don't know. Really hadn't thought about it because I was so excited about the preaching ministry. And they said to me, uh, my, my college hours were $12 an hour. So those of you who are here who are going to college now, you know that that was a long time ago and it's $12 an hour. They said, we're going to pay, we're going to pay your tuition. And when this couple had their 50th wedding anniversary, the kids called me and asked me to write a, a little thank you note to them. And I shared with them this, and I believe it's true. Every time I preach and somebody's moved, every time somebody, I affect somebody's life where they come to know the Lord, you will be responsible for that. Because you laid up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. The church is connected when we learn to care. That's what the early church did. Secondly, they, could, they were connected because they loved each other. Now, I, I want us to look again here at uh, this little section of Scripture. If the guys can shuffle around back there and find it for us again. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Folks, these people knew how to love each other. There was a sense of awe. The scripture says there was a sense of awe among them. I have been privileged to work in a church where... My leaders loved me implicitly, and I want you to know that there was hardly a Sunday that would go by that some of these elders would not come by and grab their big old bear arms around me, and they'd look me right in the old hairy eyeball and say, Charlie, we love you. And I want you to know, folks, I stepped in the pulpit that Sunday with fire in my heart because I knew there were people there who cared for me. Too many times we have wounded people because church people don't know how to love each other. Rick Warren said some time ago that a great commitment to the Great Commission, Aaron talked to you about that last week, share, Great Commission going all the way to preach the gospel to every creature, and the greatest commandment will grow a great church. I believe that is so powerfully true. A great commitment to the, to the Great Commission, and the greatest commandment will grow a great church. Now, Jesus had a hard time teaching his disciples how to love. Think of this. He had Simon the Zealot who wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Alongside Simon, he had Matthew who had been a tax collector, collecting money for the Roman government. 
Can't you imagine the discussions they must have had? And he also had alongside of him Judas, who was always negative about everything. Remember when, when, uh, uh, when this lady wanted to pour an alabaster of expensive oil on Jesus to anoint him? And, and Judas was the one who complained, well, that's too much money. That's too, that's too much money. It was, uh, it was Jesus who reminded him that it was not too much money. Then there was James and John, the sons of thunder. You could hear them for a mile understand them for a quarter of a mile. That's how loud they were. They were the ones who were going through Samaria and, and said to Jesus, why don't you just call down fire and burn all these people up? But Jesus in John chapter 13, folks, in verse 33, after he had stooped down, there's a fellow who wrote a book called The Lord of the Towel. And uh, Jesus got all these disciples together who was grumbling and who had a hard time getting along. And he washed their feet. And then he says in verses 33 and 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this shall everyone know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. Folks, you want to you witness to somebody? you want to share with somebody, you want to witness to somebody at work, then you teach them how to love the Lord by how you love other people. Do you know the church has had a terrible time? The church has had a terrible time getting along with each other. I remember in, now in Kentucky they do things that are kind of funny anyway, but <clears throat> one of the churches that was kind of near where I grew up they got into a big rile over something. The, well, the forts were over here and the guinnets were over here. You know, we called them guinnet hens. Guinnet hens are those people who fly around the congregation and say, I'm a guinnet, I'm a guinnet. So uh, you'll get that when you get home. That's a time joke. I... <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're supposed to laugh on that one. But these people got into this big rile with each other. And don't you know that in the middle of the night, half of the congregation took a chainsaw and they went out and sawed the church half in two and moved their half off to another place. Now you talk about a church split. <laughs> that is a church split. In my own home church, they had grown so much they had to, to move to another building. One of the elders had uh, had leased them some land that the church building was on. They were paying him $30 a month. He knew he wouldn't have that income. His daughter was sitting in the back, feeling like her dad was uh, being taken advantage of. And so she stood up in church and she said, I don't think it's fair and I'm not, I'm not going along with this. And uh, one of the other elders said, well, I think we need to pray. She said, I don't think we need to pray. I think we need to just stay where we are. And, and this fellow who was up front trying to get her to pray her, his daughter was sitting next to her and, and she yelled out to her, why don't you just sit down and shut up? Well, that didn't stop there. The, these two girls got up, both of them grown women. They got up out of their seats, walked toward the back door, the front door. And as they walked back, they were yelling at one another. And then they got into a fisty cuff right at the door. There's a long walkway that went down this way outside and they got into this hair-pulling contest, and they were rolling all the way down into the, uh, into the 
the, the, the bottom of the pit. Now, don't you know that there was probably a hundred people saved that day because these two women were fighting? <laughs> I'm ashamed to tell you that to tell you that story. But the same apostles, one of the apostles, John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, who was one of these loud mouth, called down fire on them, asked Jesus if him and his brother could sit on him when he gets to glory, one side, one side of each, the same John as he writes these epistles, finally got it. He said, My little children, love one another. For love is of God. And they that know God love God. I tell you something, folks. I love it when I see men hug each other. It's not cool in most men's life because most of our circles are so small. We don't allow somebody else to hug us. But I love seeing men hug each other. I've been there with, with men who uh, knew how to embrace each other and love each other. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, when the, when the early church was being persecuted by Nero and being thrown in to be eaten by lions, Josephus wrote, my, how they clung together. How they loved each other. And I just want to give you a little thing of warning. One of the things God hates is people who sows discord. When I see people that are standing around in little pockets, and I know that I've been there. You've probably seen it too. When people are talking about somebody behind their back, gosh, that just does something for my heart. God hates those who sow discord. But he loves it when his church loves each other. That's one of the ways that certainly we connect. Now the third Third way that I believe the early church here connected, let's look at verse 46 again in, uh, in Acts chapter 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. They went from home to home, from house to house, meeting together in houses. Let me just be very candid with you today. When a church gets to our size, there is, there is no way that our church could ever continue to grow unless we had home groups, unless we had groups where people could meet in and meet together and get to know each other. Now, we have lots of different uh, groups in, in our church. Uh, Carrie works with in the women's ministry, and she... She has uh, women's groups, and Dr. Dobson said years ago that if women in a church does not have a chance to share together where they can learn and cry together and, uh, and hug on each other and that kind of thing, he says the church will always be dysfunctional. I believe that's true. But folks, in the New Testament, in this, in the, in this place that we're just talking about, and I believe it's true for us, if after six months you come to real life and you don't connect with somebody, you know what happens? You stop coming. And then you say, well, you know, the church is just too big. I can't connect with anybody. Well, you know why? Because you're not making an effort. You have to take a risk. 
Some of us, our circle is about this big, and it's difficult for us to allow ourselves to get connected in a, in a home group. Rod is doing a great job with our home groups, and gosh, I, I was so impressed with, by his, uh, his efforts, that, and I got my second wind. And I said, I want to do a home group. Help me to, uh, to gather up some people so I can do a home group. And sure enough, here we are. It didn't take very long for him to, to give me some people. And we're, we're meeting together from house to house. Now, in the Old Testament, remember when Moses was trying to meet all the children of Israel's needs? He was so busy that he couldn't even take care of his own family. And he sent his wife and kids back to Jethro, their, his father-in-law. Well, Jethro was a smart father-in-law, and he gathered the family up and brought them right back to Moses, right where they belonged, and basically said, these are not my kids, Moses. These are your kids. <laughs> now, Jethro was able to help Moses understand how to break people into smaller groups. Moses took care of larger groups, he had people who took care of groups of 10, groups of 50, or whatever. But our church is a, church, a connecting church because we have groups where people can get involved. And I'll tell you this. If you've watched churches around, you know that most mainline churches that have been around for a long time, when they do not have home groups, when they don't have groups where folks can get together and be connected, they stop growing. Because it's not enough for you to come. No matter how good a preacher you hear on Sunday morning, my son's a great preacher. No matter how good a preacher you, you listen to on Sunday morning, it is not enough for you to feel like when you're, you're uh, what you need in the, in, during the week is being taken care of. You need to be connected. Now God established this little group that we call the home so that kids could be taught. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, and when he says, love the Lord your God, gave Moses a command, love you Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and body, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself. And he says, and teach this to your kids. Write it on doorposts. Door Talk to them about it at night when you put them to bed. When you rise up early in the morning as you're walking along, this little family is the very core of our nation. It's the very core of our, of our world. But folks, there's a, greater, there's a greater family that we call the church that I believe Jesus has established. Here we, learn, we are able to worship together. And here we are able to help you resolve issues that your little, your little family uh, is stifled with. And sometimes we need to reach out to people. So loving people Caring for people by sharing with them and being involved in small groups is such a huge thing for our church. Our church, Real Life Ministries, will stop growing when we stop connecting. It will no longer grow. Because until you come to a place where you feel like that you know people that you can serve the Lord with and you can hold hands and you can love and be loved. And when you have a problem in your little, your little family, that you can bring that problem and have people help you sometime during the week, our church will stop growing. Well, years ago, when, as we think about our, our communion time, years ago uh, we had a, 
I, I was working with a fella, and uh, he said to me one day, uh, Charlie, he said, my mom prayed that she would die in the church. And I said, really? He said, yeah. My mom loved coming and worshiping the Lord so much. She loved coming and listening to preaching and teaching. She loved coming and associating with people that she knew and loved and talking to them and sharing Jesus with them and had so many things in common. He said, my mom prayed that she would die in the church during a church service. And he said, you know what? My mom had a heart attack. And before the ambulance could get there to get her, she was gone. What a blessing, folks, for us to come to the place where we would love the church so much that we want to we wanna connect. And so as the folks come forward today and, and pass out our, our uh, communion trays and we think about the Lord's Supper, I just want you to think, when we partake of the Lord's Supper in just a little bit, think about what, what Jesus did for us, what he shared with us, how he connected with us, in fact, how he gave his life for us, a ransom for many. And as we uh, share in this communion time, I want to tell you a little story to help you understand why uh, it's so important for us to connect as the choir is coming up today. And you'll get to hear my granddaughter sing. Uh, years ago, I was—I uh, had just started preaching, and uh, I was so nervous about setting up in front and doing something wrong. I, uh, you know, gosh, God has had to work to make a preacher out of me. Uh, years ago, I had an elder tell me when he could tell that I was struggling. He said, "You know, Charlie, God is going to make a preacher out of you." He said, "He hasn't yet, but he's going to make a preacher out of you." And I remember sitting on the platform at my first church where I was the pastor. A fellow by the name of Dale was sitting beside me, and he was a great big fella. I loved Dale. I loved his heart. And I could tell that he was really emotionally, he was just sobbing, sitting beside me. And I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to start talking to him during the we were getting ready for communion. The organ was playing and all those kind of things. And so it was difficult for me to share anything. And finally, Dale got up to lead the, 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 uh, the communion song before we took communion. I got to get my communion here. Dale uh, stepped to the podium and he said, uh, folks, I can't take communion today until I get something straightened out. And I gupped real big because I had no idea what he was talking about. His, his father-in-law was a little, little bitty guy named Ernie. Ernie was sitting back, I always remember that, he was sitting back about eight or ten rows back on the left. And he said, yesterday my father-in-law and I got into a big argument. And I have been angry at him ever since. What I found out later is that they were arguing about a cat. I had no idea what that was all about. 
So Dale gets down off of the platform, walks back to where Ernie is, and Ernie sees him coming, and so he starts to stand up slowly. Ernie uh, looks Dale in the eye, and Dale, Dale is sobbing. And he says as he sticks out his hand, Ernie, will you forgive me? Well, what was he going to say? No, Dale, I'm not going to forgive you. <laughs> so he said, yes, Dale, I'll forgive you. Now, folks, I want to tell you that we had one of the richest communion times that I've ever experienced. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody in our, in our church body that day started to think about, do I have ought against somebody? You know, Jesus discouraged us from even worshiping if we, if we were angry at somebody. And that was before the Lord's Supper was ever instituted. There's only one time I ever encourage somebody not to take the Lord's Supper. It's when you're angry at somebody. You've got to go get it straightened out. And so that day when he came back and sang the song, led us in a song, gosh, I will always treasure that time. That's what Jesus wants us to experience on the night in which he was sitting with his disciples. He took a piece of bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body, which was given for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Let's remember him right now. And the same night, Jesus reminded the disciples that the very lifeblood that he is going to shed would be given for them. And he knew that we would forget. So he said, when you do this, will you remember? Let's remember. And now, Father, we are so blessed, so honored to be here to honor and worship you. God, may uh, the very thoughts of our mind and heart be a treasure to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 